Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, food bloggers. Are you guys looking for accountability and business growth on a whole new level? If so, you should totally join the new Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program that we are starting in May 2021. Spend time alongside like-minded peers who will hold you accountable so you actually achieve your weekly and quarterly and yearly goals. Masterminds hold massive power. Let's grow together, learn from one another, and stop allowing deadlines to slip through the cracks. Achieve big dreams this year. We are now accepting applications for the Mastermind program, and you can find the application at eatblogtalk.com. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. I am super excited. I have Cassidy Reeser today with me from Cozy Peach Kitchen, and we are going to have a chat about creating videos for YouTube. Cassidy is a registered dietitian, and she started her vegetarian food and nutrition blog, Cozy Peach Kitchen, in 2018. Her goal is to make eating plant-based easier for everyone by sharing simple recipes and evidence-based nutrition information. She lives in Georgia with her partner and two cats, and she weaves her love love for Southern cooking into her recipes. Love that, Cassidy. We all want to hear your fun fact, though, before we dive into the topic. Thank you so much for having me. So my fun fact is actually that in college, I was a radio DJ at our college radio station. So I had two shows, there were specialty shows, and I would go on air for an hour a week. And um, I was really nervous when I started because I had to go on air and there's this whole switchboard and you are on an actual radio station. So it's not just online. It was like anyone could turn it on in their car. So I (laughs) I was so nervous when I started that. But I think that that whole experience, you have to go on every 15 minutes to say like a weather update or here's what I just played. And that whole experience really helped me get more comfortable when I got into YouTube videos of like being in front of the camera. It was a little more nerve wracking because you can't like press pause and edit anything. But that was a really big part of um, my college. Absolutely. That all like those little things seem little, but they really add up and they um, they work together to kind of boost your confidence don't they? Definitely. And I was so nervous when I started and I even messed up when I first started. You have to be careful with not playing certain words on air. And (laughs) even my very first song, I messed up and everything was fine. But it's just funny because it all worked out and it gave me that confidence to, you know, keep trying new things. Right. Absolutely. I love that. So today you're like a pro. You're not even nervous probably to be (laughs) interviewed. Uh, it's been a while. It's been about six years. So, <laughs> well, it still sticks with you. I think all of that mm-hmm. stuff is like solid, um, like groundwork for the things that you do in the future. So, without it, you'd probably be way more nervous doing your YouTube yeah. YouTube videos and being here today. So, definitely love it. Well, thank you for being here, Cassidy. I'm super excited to talk to you. YouTube is not something that every blogger dives into. 
But I do think that there can be a lot of value in giving YouTube our attention if we have the bandwidth and time for it and space for it. So I'm excited to learn from you today. This is not something that I've really ever done. I know um, probably I could say most food bloggers are with me on that because it's just, it seems like a lot of work, honestly. So I'm excited to dive in. Will you tell us what your thoughts are just about creating videos in general? Yeah. So I started making videos for my blog probably about a year in, and I knew that they would be really helpful for ad revenue when I eventually got to that point. And they can be used on Facebook, they can be used on video pins, etc. So I just knew that was something I needed to start doing. And um, when I started out, I mean, my videos were not great. And my lighting wasn't good. But they still added the benefit to my website that I had the the video component for Google. So I had that kind of added bonus, even if the video itself wasn't amazing. So I mean, I think that doing videos is always a great thing to do, even if um, you don't love how they look when you start out. And I will say that, like, so two years ago, I didn't love them. But over time, I just learned as I went on and got more comfortable making videos. And now for um, all of my posts, I'm actually trying to make a video if it's pertinent and just make each post as high value as possible. And I think that including that video is always a good step because some readers just learn better visually. I totally agree with that. And do you agree with this? Do them especially if they're bad because then you have yes. a benchmark you can look back and say, "Oh my goodness, I have gone I've gotten so much better. I've come so far." Because if you start off and you're amazing, which nobody does, PS, then you don't have anywhere to go. But I say like put your bad stuff out there with like just boldness. Be proud of it. <laughs> oh, I 100% agree. And I will say something that I do whenever I'm feeling a little down about like the quality of something new, especially with YouTube, is I'll go back to one of my favorite bloggers or favorite YouTubers and go to their first video and watch it and say, okay, that kind of looks like my video right now. Like They obviously grew over years and you know it's better to start and have something that's not the quality you want than to just not do it because you're afraid. So so true. And you know, honestly, some of my most well-performing videos are my my first ones, which are my mm -hmm. worst ones. And it's like mind-boggling, but it could be that that's the case for most people. If you put your first ones out there, they're going to be the ones that get a lot of traction for whatever reason. So just do it. Just get started. And I agree. I think videos are important even if you're not starting like putting your face in front of it, just do something to kind of um, stir up the um, uniqueness maybe within your blog post because it can get a little boring like reading the same words and seeing process shots. So I think videos are just a good way to kind of like um, add something different in the mix when people are reading through. Right. And I think too, when you're making videos, it can help you see it through the reader's eyes. So I may realize that what I'm doing doesn't really make sense. Or like, I may need to change the process a little because if a viewer was watching the video, it may not be as easy for them. So it kind of helps me look at my, um, my recipes through the viewer's eyes too. Mm, that's really interesting. I've never thought of it like that. So let's talk about YouTube specifically because you've launched into creating YouTube videos 
And this takes a lot more time, I think, than those hands and pans videos. Can you tell us how you got started with YouTube and just like how that journey has gone for you? Yeah, so um, I was working my full-time job up until about two and a half months ago. Um, And about a year ago, I had decided I wanted to do YouTube videos. I've just always enjoyed being in front of the camera. And it just feels like a different kind of creative expression than blog posts. So I knew I wanted to try it out, if not to get more traffic and have another revenue stream just for another form of creative expression. But um, I tried starting about a year ago and it, it just takes so much effort, like you said, to set all the equipment up and record the full video. And I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it with my full-time job. And I also didn't love the quality. Going back, I probably would have shared those videos anyway, but I just didn't, I didn't like the quality enough to share them. So I decided that when I was decided to go full time that I would focus on YouTube and I would make one YouTube video a week and just try it for a year and see how it goes. And I've been able to do that now because I do have that extra time and sometimes recording videos will take all day. So that's, that's how I decided to finally start consistently doing it about two months ago. Depending on the recipe and depending on the style you're doing, it really can take a long time in your head. You think, oh, this should take like two hours. But then you quickly realize that there are so many factors that can come to play while you're producing, while you're creating. And so you really do have to allow for an entire day. So is that what you would recommend to people if they decide to dive into YouTube videos um, to just kind of expect that? Well, I think it depends on what kind of videos you end up making. And I've been going back and forth, um, kind of testing out different types of videos to see what works best for my audience. Because um, some YouTubers, they're more vloggers. So they sit and they talk in front of the camera. And it's more of a like step into my life kind of video. Whereas I feel like with food blogging, it's more like, here's how I make the video. And if it's a cooking channel style video, then I do think you need to dedicate some time to it because you have those different shots and it's it's a lot less editable because it is your whole self in there but what I've actually landed on is doing videos using some tasty style videos that I make over time and then I record an intro and an outro and I can record those intros and outros um, like three or four of them in just one and a half hours And then I have that and I can make my videos over time. Oh, that's such a great idea. And I actually considered doing that with a bunch of mine because I have this huge log of Tasty Style videos that I have. And I feel like they're just kind of sitting there doing nothing but collecting dust. Exactly. So we kind of experimented with that for a while, but then we stopped. But it is such a great idea and it's a great way to reuse what you've got and give it just like a fresh new look. And I don't think anyone would know that you're taking old, quote, old videos and repurposing them, especially when you're putting your face in there and you're saying, I'm assuming you're doing that, like, hey, this is Cassidy. Yeah, it's like I do an intro and I kind of talk about it like I would in, in the blog post and then the outro and I might pop in, you know, halfway through the video. Um, But I do a voiceover with my voice, Um, instead of like speeding it up and doing the music like you would with Tasty. So it seems like a different video, even though 
it's visually the same. I am all about repurposing because we spend so much time and energy and love on our content. So any time that we can take our existing content and repurpose it and give it a facelift and turn it into something else, I am all for Completely. that. Completely. So I love that you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk to us about your gear. What do you use to create your videos? So I use a, um, I have two different cameras that I use. I have one that's a lot older. And so for a while I was using that to have two different angles, but I decided that um, the older camera is just not as high quality. So I've settled on using just one camera with a, um, it's a 2470 camera. So it's like a a lens. So it zooms. um, And that one's really great for Um, video specifically so I think that getting you can start with just you know a 50 millimeter lens it doesn't really matter but I did find that having a lens that zooms helps a lot and then I also use artificial lighting because for some reason um, every house I've ever lived in has had just terrible natural lighting (laughs) so I am I took a couple of years ago I took Joni Simon's artificial lighting course and I pretty much bought most of the um, entry-level gear that she recommends. So I have a continuous lighting that I always set up in my kitchen. Um, And thankfully, my kitchen is already, it has white walls and everything. So I don't need too much to bounce the light around. But um, having that continuous lighting, I think, is one of the most important parts. But I would say that sound is actually the most important part of a video. Um, cause I don't know if you've ever turned on a YouTube video and the sound is just either really loud or scratchy <laughs> and it kind of just makes you pull away and not want to watch it. So, you know, that's, that's one thing I'd say if you don't, if you can't invest in a good camera or you can't invest in good lighting, like do the sound first, because that's, what's gonna scare the viewers away. <laughs> is the poor quality. That's a deal breaker. If you start watching a YouTube video that you think is going to be semi-professional and then you hear like terrible audio, mm-hmm. tur- I turn it off right away. That's It's so funny how that is, but it's even more important than lighting in my opinion. Yeah, completely agree. So I use, um, it's called a handy recorder, a Zoom handy recorder. And then I have a mic that I plug into it and then I just put it on my shirt. So it's like um, a lapel and, mic? And the quality's fine. Mm-hmm, a lapel mic. Yeah, and they are not very expensive, right? Lapel mics you can mm-hmm. get for, I just got one last year. I think it was like between $50 and $100. I mean, it wasn't like a huge investment. Yeah, I think the combination of the recorder and the mic was only about $100. So, okay. That's so, not yeah, bad. not bad at all. So, really, if somebody wants to get started, get a good mic, invest $50 in a good mic use natural lighting if hopefully you have some in your kitchen um (laughs) Uh yeah i have terrible lighting in my kitchen as well but some kitchens have amazing lighting so even if you don't just start there and use the camera that you have i did my first few videos with my iphone and at that time i had like an iphone 6 it was not the greatest quality but it worked right right and i think that we are our own biggest critics. And of course, we're doing this maybe because we enjoy creativity and the art of it. But our viewers are just looking for a recipe. And they just want it to be helpful. So I think that they're not looking and thinking, oh, that kitchen's kind of dark. Or why is <laughs> like, why does it look like this? Like, you know, there's going to be some critical viewers, but 
I think when you're first starting out, it's more about the the quality of the content that you're sharing. Absolutely. So you recently had an audit and you've been doing kind of an up going through your old content and updating since then. So how have you incorporated YouTube videos into that whole process? So yeah, I had a um, an audit with Casey Markey and I, I knew that I would be republishing a lot of older, lower quality content and most of that didn't have videos. So I do you know about theory of content from Mediavine? They talk about um, silos or like having content that goes into different silos. So for example, I have a bunch of recipes that were salad dressings and they were all pretty low quality posts. And I thought, okay, here's three different salad dressing recipes. I could probably make a new one too, so that it's at least um, interesting to have a new recipe on my website, but I can make a video for all four of those and then make a YouTube video that shows here's how to make creamy vegan salad dressings. I can also include kind of an info post on it. So on my website, I have kind of a step-by-step guide. Here's how you make them. But then I can also interlink between all of those different kinds of dressings. So I'm basically going through things that I need to republish anyway, typing them into YouTube search and seeing what kind of videos come up. So for something like a salad dressing, it was never just one recipe. It was never just like balsamic vinaigrette. It was always, here's four salad dressings you can make. As you create new content, are you not creating any new content at all? Well, in February, so for most of January and February, I didn't make any new content, but now I'm making probably about two thirds is old content. Are you creating new videos for all of your new content? Um, yeah, yes. If it's pertinent, if it, if it makes sense, I am. Okay. So what do you, how do you determine if it's pertinent? If, well, sometimes I feel like the recipe is also just really difficult to record in a video and it's a, a keyword that doesn't have as much competition. So I'm not as concerned at that point about making the video. So I kind of weigh it personally on, is this going to be kind of too much of a bother for me to make a video? So talk about YouTube SEO and how that works and why you think it's important. So it's a lot like Google SEO. I think, um, it, you know, YouTube's a search engine. So someone goes on there and they type how to make salad dressing, to use my example from before. And they're, you know, the best quality content is ideally going to pop up at the top. I'm not sure how um, the algorithm works as much as like with Google SEO, but you can focus your videos around a keyword. And I think that it even picks up on what you're saying um, in your captions. So if you say the keyword in your caption, it gives the search engine more context on what you're talking about. So give us an example. So if you wanted to create a video on a vegan salad dressing, but you didn't know exactly which one, could you use YouTube search to figure it out? I think so. So one of the first things I do is I type it into search and I see what um, YouTube thinks is most important for the user. So I kind of, I see what's already ranking and then I say, okay, well, maybe vegan ranch dressing would be good. And then I look up and I see, ooh, all of these are from really like old YouTubers who have thousands of views and it's ranking really high. Maybe I should try something that has a smaller volume. Um, And then I kind of go from there. So maybe like a tahini dressing would have a lower volume and not as many videos. So I might be able to 
rank for that. So really the same strategy as kind of going to Google and seeing what is underrated and what is underutilized there. It's the same thing. If there's something that a bunch of people are doing, then maybe stay away from it. But it is worthwhile to go to YouTube search and just see. I mean, why not, right? Definitely. And I also use um, Key Search has a YouTube function where you can look specifically for YouTube. So I use Key Search for my blog posts, um, and but I also use their YouTube function. And that just shows kind of the same stuff, like the difficulty, the um, number of views monthly, and then extra keywords you can look at. That is awesome to know. I did not know that. So I will tell you one thing I get hung up hung up on with YouTube is that it takes so long to get traction. And I've heard other people express the same concern. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, do we just have to commit to it and stick with it for a while? Is it something that some people can tap into and find success in short term? What do you think? So that that's kind of where I'm at right now. And it does feel like I'm a baby blogger again. You know, when you start food blogging and you're like, oh, I only have 50 page views a week. Like I know what I'm putting out, people must want. And so I'm I'm trying to think of it in that way and that I'm trying something new and that if I'm putting out my best quality content, like you can only hope that it it will be found. But I do think there is another component of engagement that is not included on on like a dot-com. It's kind of like Instagram where within your first 24 hours, you do want a lot of engagement on your video. So that's why people always ask, like, leave a thumbs up or leave a comment, because that's telling the algorithm that people like your video. So there's, there's that aspect of like, um, there's like another added layer, it's not just creating those good videos. So sometimes I do feel like it's a little difficult and you keep making videos and why is no one engaging and why, why is no one finding it? But do you provide a call to action in your videos? Like, hey, subscribe if you liked this or do you do anything like that? I, I do. I do at the end. And um, oh, I do want to say, so I I was feeling this way, like what you just said um, a couple of weeks ago. And I've reached out to a few different YouTubers and just been like, do you have any advice? Um, like, is it normal to be growing slowly and just to get their perspective? And it's just always funny to hear that people who have thousands of followers feel the exact same way, <laughs> like they're growing slowly. <laughs> so I think that it is just a long game. And like I heard multiple times, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's just constantly creating that good quality content. And that's why I gave myself like a year to try it consistently. And if it doesn't work out in that year, maybe I'll rethink <laughs> it. Well, we are all food bloggers, so we know that whole concept of long game because that is the story of our businesses and our lives, with the exception of those few anomalies. But yeah, like we get that. We know the the whole game of playing that marathon, running the marathon and not the sprint. So if you have that concept down, then you should be able to launch into YouTube and maybe can set like a consistent um, schedule like you are and just say, okay, I'm going to try it for a year and then reevaluate after that. Oh, I would say that's another thing that I've learned is that consistency is actually one of the most important parts. So when I po- posted two videos in a span of eight months, I didn't grow at all. But when I started posting weekly, um, I started growing a lot more because YouTube expects you to be posting and your readers expect you to post at a certain time. So that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I've received is to 
be consistent with your schedule, even if it's only once a month. It's better than, um, you know, three videos one month and zero for six months. Mm, so the YouTube algorithm likes that, obviously, and so do the people who are mm-hmm. waiting, pining over here content, waiting for you to publish it. Oh, I heard someone recently, okay, I can't remember who it was. I think I was interviewing someone and they were talking about how YouTube has this whole new component of like um, engagement with as far as like how people interact with the content. So back in the day when I first started blogging, people used to come to my blog and engage with me all the time. They'd leave comments and they'd send messages and like it was this huge party on the blog. And now it seems like that party is on YouTube. Do you agree with that? Do you find that a lot of people are going to your YouTube channel and commenting on your content and engaging there? That's something that I've been trying to figure out recently, actually, because I'm in some YouTube Facebook um, channel groups and they do have those same engagement pods where they comment on each other. And they're very interactive and it's a community kind of like Instagram where every time you post a new video, they'll comment and they'll say, I love your video. Like, come watch my video. And I I'm honestly trying to figure out, is it really worth it to spend all this time commenting on other people's videos? Like I do love that community aspect of it, but you know, it can be a little tiring (laughs) to constantly engage. So I'm, I'm currently in the mode of, do I just uh, not really interact with others? Like, you know, if someone comments on mine, I'm going to go comment on theirs as like a nicety, but Um, Do I spend an hour after each video commenting on other people's videos? Oh, interesting. So it's not an authentic thing. You guys are kind of like um, supporting each other. That's great. But it's more like, let's do this for each other because that's how it used to be in the blog world. We would go to other bloggers' pages and comment like crazy on their newer posts, assuming that they were going to come back and com- and they would. Like, I have so many comments. If I go back in my archives, there are posts that have like, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of comments from fellow bloggers. That just doesn't happen anymore. So it sounds like that's what you guys are doing on YouTube. That's what it does feel like is happening on YouTube, right? And, and with that whole engagement factor, um, ranking your post having that engagement. So someone coming over and leaving a comment and leaving a like is like a positive engagement factor. But I will say if they come over and they watch the first 30 seconds of your video and then leave, it looks like they're not actually engaging very well because they watched 30 seconds and then they didn't like your video. So I can see how it'd be beneficial, but it also may be detrimental um, by bringing down your watch time. Okay, that makes sense. Can you tell me what YouTube shorts are and do you use those? So they are kind of like YouTube's answer to TikTok and Reels. Um, They have to be under 60 seconds and they show up on the homepage and they have a greater chance of being ranked more quickly than YouTube videos. So I've made about six of them and within a day, it's usually 24 hours, they get about 600 views or more. The most I've had is 2,700 views, but I have a friend who did it and got 17,000 views in one day. So, so you really get a lot of views, but it doesn't count towards your watch time. So with YouTube to monetize, you need, I think it's 4,000 watch hours and 1,000 subscribers. So those shorts don't count towards that watch time. So, but they do help you with subscribers a lot. So 
the one that had almost 3,000 views brought in about 15 subscribers, which for me as a very small YouTuber was a lot. And it's more than a longer video that takes more time to gain traction. It seems like every single platform under the sun is trying to compete with stories or at least provide oh, <laughs> something that aligns with stories right now. That's so funny. I didn't know YouTube was doing the same. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting thing as like, I'm doing YouTube and I want these longer videos that are five to 10 minutes. So if someone's coming to my YouTube and subscribing because I have a 60 second video, how true is that to my content? So I have, I, I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to continue doing them because I don't, I, I think it's a good maybe teaser for my channel, but if I have 50% of my channel is shorts, you know, 50% are 10 minute videos. I'm not really sure what that's telling the reader or the viewer. That's a good point. See, you touched on monetizing and you mentioned that you need a few um, kind of things under your wing before you can even monetize. So say what those are again. And then once you do get to that point, how do you monetize on YouTube? So you need 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 watch hours. I think in those 4,000 watch hours have to be in a year. And I think you just kind of submit an application to YouTube and they approve it. Um, I'm not at monetizing point yet, but I you can make a, a fair amount of money off of the ads. I think it's lower than you would with an ad network on your blog, but it's still a really good source of income, especially if you're a very big YouTuber that has a ton of views. Yeah, that's a great option. I mean, I know a lot of food bloggers are trying to look outside of the ads and the ad networks and trying to find other ways. And if YouTubing is your thing, if you love being in front of video, then that would an option. Create a schedule, right, Cassidy, and just be consistent with it and don't give up and keep at it. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely what my idea is. Just try something for a little while. And if I don't end up liking it, then at least I tried it and I gave it my all. But you know, if YouTube's not something that interests you, you do not have to do it. Um, I do think making videos is something that is going to be beneficial to every food blogger, but uploading them to YouTube, you know, I think it's just another way of monetizing or another social media channel that you don't have to stretch yourself thin by doing it just because other people are doing it. Do you have any logistical tips for people, like things that you've learned about maybe preparing for your videos or I don't know, preparing a script or using a teleprompter or anything like that that would help people? Um, Yeah, I would say that batching my videos has been the most um, beneficial. So I set a day of the week and say, okay, I'm going to record these intros and these outros. And then this day of the week, I'll record a few of the different recipes. And then I try to record not necessarily a script, but some bullet points that I want to go over that I need to include. And a lot of the time I'll use my blog post as a reference and make sure to include a lot of those tips. Um, And I I have seen that the videos I go into and I kind of freestyle it, I have to record it like six times. Whereas the one where I've just sat down before and kind of like told myself what I'm going to say, I'm still able to you know, kind of freestyle a little bit, but I also have some points and it only takes one or two shots. So I would definitely say sitting down and planning your shots, planning what you're going to say is always helpful. Yeah. I worked best when I was doing some kind of in-face videos with a teleprompter, but I feel like if I would have con- 
continued with it, I would have gotten much better at kind of freestyle. Like, you know, I'm trying to think, was I, I don't think I was doing my podcast back then. Maybe now I'd be fine because now I feel like I can speak anytime on anything after a couple of years of doing this. And that, that has given me a lot of practice. So maybe now if I went back to recording video, I would be better because I remember right. I would sit there and be like super awkward and like, um, this dish needs to go in the fridge. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, okay. So I would do it like, like 20 times <laughs> and it was so awkward. I mean, I still even do that. If I like wake up and I'm not in the quite the right mood to record a video, I'll just keep saying things and they just come out completely wrong or my partner might walk into the room and I'm like you have to leave like all of a sudden I get stage fright (laughs) so yeah it's just funny even though it's just you and the camera it still could be kind of (laughs) nerve-wracking it is I I know it's so funny it's like it's just a camera right yeah (laughs) like nervous in front of this camera yeah That's funny that you mentioned like other people coming into the room because I would do the same thing if my family came in. I was like, you just walked in on a very intimate situation. And it's like, (laughs) but this video is going to be played to the world for anyone to see. And I'm worried about someone watching me record it. It's so funny. That's the difference. You can edit the video for YouTube, but you can't edit what you're doing in the moment. That's how I feel about it. (laughs) That's true. So if you had to give food bloggers one takeaway from our chat today to kind of motivate them, inspire them to get on YouTube and to try this if it's on their mind, what would it be? It would be, so this is, I kind of applied this to all aspects of blogging, but especially something that's so different like YouTube is that it's totally okay to feel like a brand new blogger again and to not love what you're putting out. Or like, I always want to love my content, but to not feel like it's top of the line content, I think that it's okay to just start, try something new and just have fun with it. And always remember why you started doing it. And that will always bring you back to why you're making those videos or why you're trying something new. Oh, I love that, Cassidy. That's such a great little piece of advice there. So thank you. And thank you for being here today. This was super fun. Kind of sparks my interest in YouTube again. Um, I think you should try it out. <laughs> you yeah. Like you'd be great at it. Well, I, I yeah. did for a while and then the pandemic and we uh. I, I had a videographer <laughs> coming over a couple times a month and she would do all of the recording um, the filming and then she would do the editing for me and kind of like talked me through what to do too because I was a little bit awkward um, so she'd be like no you need to like loosen up and I don't know she was just really great about telling me what to do and we landed on this one style that I loved it was so fun if you go to my channel it's the um, it's the uh, pineapple barbecue chicken um, it was like m- me talking like voiceover talking voiceover And we actually put me in the video, but it's not, I don't think I actually talk to the camera. So it's more like um, she took shots of me and my boys. My boys aren't in that one. We did another one with my boys in it. Um, But it was, the voiceover was really cool. So it wasn't like step one, you put this in a baking dish. It was more like talking about the recipe. Like this is why I love this recipe. It's really easy. It has four ingredients and just the style of it, I loved it. And then pandemic, 
happened. So she stopped coming and she hasn't been since. So I was like, dang it, we landed on that style really like rang true to who I was and my brand. And then, you know, everything fell apart. But maybe one day I'll get back. I love that. That sounds like a really great like interactive. So you're showing the video, but you're also adding helpful information. Yes, exactly. And she did this style that was not um, set like on a tripod. So she did a tripod. She had a tripod set up, but she also had a second camera where she would kind of walk around on um, and use one of those. I think it's called a gimbal that your camera mm-hmm. can kind of like, uh, I, I don't know the terms. I am not a videographer, but it's kind of moves around. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I've seen some videos like that. And I'm always like, how do they do that? Yeah. I would love to have someone else in their recording that yes. would be so helpful exactly and it and she so she would cut back and forth between those two um angles and it was just it it's great and i'm sad yeah, that I'm we gonna, didn't I'll continue have to go that. watch that yeah definitely well you're inspiring thank you cassidy for sharing all of your knowledge today before you go do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share so my favorite I don't have a quote so much as inspiration just to always um, be okay with trying something new and starting from the beginning and that everyone started somewhere. So if you look back um, on others and maybe go back and look at their older content, it's just a great way to draw inspiration and see how much your peers and your community has grown and that you too can grow that much. And that starting out as a new YouTuber, new blogger, you know, we all started there and we're all learning. Love it. Cassidy will put together a show notes page for you. If anyone wants to go peek at those, we can find you can find them at eatblogtalk.com forward slash cozy peach kitchen. Cassidy, tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me at cozypeachkitchen.com and then I'm also on YouTube under Cassidy Reeser or Cozy Peach Kitchen. And I'm on all social media channels as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here, Cassidy. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.